Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Tonight. Craig Malonso on the voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker. How are you doing, Mr. Walker? Hello. Oh, come on, man. You got to give me the Mickey Mouse one. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. There you go. You're welcome. All right, man. I tell you, uh, I know people aren't going to want to hear it, but I thought it was a good weekend of baseball. Anytime you can take two out of three. I know we, we, we shit the bed, for lack of a better term. Which I apologize to those listeners that find that offensive, but uh, no other way to put it on Friday night. But Thursday and Saturday were good. Look, Thursday and Saturday were good, and Friday you file under that's baseball, and and got, and folks don't want to hear that, and I get it. You know, I, I ran into somebody on the fourth floor. They were coming back to the press box, and I was leaving. And he said. You can't. You just can't give up a, a three-run lead in the ninth inning. And I said, "Man, that's baseball." And he goes, "What are you talking about?" And I said, "You know, in a, it, if, whether it's fifty-six games or one hundred and sixty-two games, you're gonna have games like that. I mean, it's gonna happen once or twice during the season." <laughs> yeah, but I said, "I understand, but." And I stopped him and I said, "If you're saying I understand, but, then you don't understand." You know. I have said this many, many times. So many f- people look at baseball with a football mentality. And, you know, if you take every game individually, this game can eat you up. But it's 56 games for a reason. And you're going to lose games that you feel like you should have won. You're going to win games you probably should have lost. And then... Then there's a cup. Then there's going to be most of them that you win because you should win, and that you lose because you should lose. You know, I got, I got two reminders for fans, okay? Because I was thinking about this over the weekend. Two thousand and six, okay. In 05, we were in a regional. Uh, Kevin Arduant was a senior. Austin fought, pitched for us. We were in a regional in New Orleans uh, at uh, Tulane. 2007, I think we got screwed out of hosting a regional. Uh, they sent us to Texas A&M, and we were the undefeated team, and A&M beat us twice. That was Jonathan Lucroy's sophomore year. It was junior year, I'm sorry. Then there was 06, which is right in the middle. Cajuns were fighting with South Alabama for second place because Troy had a really, really good club that year. And I want to say that... Uh, we finished ahead of South Alabama or tied with South Alabama for second place in the league. Um, and then we beat them in the tournament. And I really thought we were going. And it turned out we were the first team left out. And I went back to a game earlier that season. Cajuns were good. Little Rock was horrible. Little Rock was probably worse than the Arkansas State team that we, that we played. They were just god-awful. We got a seven-run lead in the ninth inning. And they get eight in the bottom of the ninth against two, guy, two relievers, Danny Farquhar and Chad Beck, both of whom pitched in the big leagues. It's baseball. It's baseball. Those games are going to happen. Now... For those folks who say, yeah, but, okay, here's the converse. Remember the 2015 regional when we're down four in the ninth inning against Rice in game one and we come back and win? When we're not getting anything done against Houston in game two? No, hit through seven, two-thirds? Yeah, and find a way to come back and win that one and then win the regional. It works. On We've seen the good and the bad, the bitter and the sweet, it's baseball, and it's going to happen. Now, you know, oh, but it shouldn't happen against Monroe. Well, you know what? You folks who keep saying, well, they're not our rival. They're not your rival until they beat you. Then all of a sudden, they're a rival. Hmm. And, you know, look, the fact that the Cajuns won 28 in a row against that, you just don't see that. You don't see that in, in college baseball anywhere. So you had that streak, that streak broken. And, you know, I really think that from now on, two out of three is probably going to be the norm because they're getting better. That program is getting better. Mike Federico's done a really good job. And the kid who hit the home run, 
Um, it just so happened as, as I'm leaving Friday night, we in the elevator together because he'd just come upstairs and done an interview with Mike Hammett. And I congratulated him. And I said, you know, I said a few years ago, if we'd have won 14 to 2 in the first game, y'all wouldn't have even showed up for the final two. We just could have thrown our gloves out there. I said, but you know what? We can't do that against ULM anymore. I said, Coach Fed has got, has got this program, it's pride back. And you guys aren't going to lay down. And it's not just against us. You're not going to lay down against anybody. And that makes our league better. And he thanked me for saying that. I congratulated him again. I said, but we will whip your ass tomorrow. And we did. Um, so you've got to look in baseball more than any other sport. You have to look at the big picture. And the big picture is, how, what did Tony say? You're going to win a third. You're going to lose a third. And then you got to see what you do with that other third. And the Cajuns still have lots of opportunities to have good things happen to them. Um, that wasn't, it wasn't a good loss, but it happens. You know, you can even go back to, you talked about 2015. You know, we got, I'm pretty sure we got slapped around by Texas State in that first game and had to come back through the loser's bracket to even make it to a regional. And Well, we dropped a fly ball. Yeah, with two outs in the ninth inning, and and allowed them to win game one eight to seven, um, and then we did. We had to come back through the losers bracket, and, and we had beaten them twice. And then we had to have an oh my word Jay moment, yeah, and in order to just get to a regional that year. I don't think people realize how hard it really is to do that and to win. I mean, if you want to say we should have won the game against ULM. Well, then you have to say we should have lost the, the second game against Louisiana Tech where we scored six or seven runs in the sixth inning. Yeah. That would have been just as easy to lose that game. And it just wasn't in the ninth inning. And, and what was the game that, that we were down late recently at, at Teague-Moore Field and we, we got a basic, we got two in the bottom of the ninth, the bottom of the tenth, whatever it was. Uh, was it one of the games against Georgia Southern? Yeah, or, Georgia or, Southern. So, you know, we shouldn't have won that game. There's always games you shouldn't win that you do, and there's always games that you shouldn't lose that you do. In fans' defense, though, I mean, we're fans. Sure. And we follow our team, so we don't... I didn't learn this. Kevin Foote talked about it all the time, about how Saints... You know, we see things through Saints' eyes, but the same thing. When I moved away and when I lived in Indiana, I didn't see the Saints' side of that because I wasn't getting that news every day. I was getting Colts' news. And then you saw how many players from the Colts were moving around to different teams and all of a sudden go somewhere and have a great year. And we're going like, we think it's only the Saints that let a guy go and they have a great year. That's right. It, so. It, I'm, um, you know, I do I like the fact that they lost that game? Hell no. Hell no, I don't like that. And, and while Cooper Rawls did, you know, he walking to hit batsman to start the inning and, of course, he gave up the home run. But we had a chance to turn two double plays, too, that, that, that would have gotten us out of that, and we didn't do it. So, you know, it's, um, it's a shame that you lost it, and at the same time you won the series. It's another two out of three. You're sitting in pretty good shape right now midway through. And I will say that although you got a couple of series coming up that, that are going to be difficult, the reality is your schedule lightens up the second half of the conference. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, uh, and, and you can say what you want about Georgia State being swept this week weekend by uh, Georgia Southern, but ULM beat them two out of three. Granted, okay. it was the opening weekend. Well, we lost all three to Troy. It was the opening weekend. ULM, you know, their, their, fr their Friday night guy beat Georgia State, beat Coastal Carolina. You know, they're not a horrible team. No, they're not. They're not. They're not a great team by any stretch, no. but they're they're not your daddy's ULM club. And um, you know, I look. I'm I'm glad they're better because they're going to because they make the league better. Now somebody's got to finish last, okay? But look, there were years where ULM like won eleven games or twelve games or fourteen games. You know. Arkansas State's kind of having that kind of year, but I still think Arkansas State's going to win some games, guy. Because I honestly think that Arkansas State team is better than a lot of ULM clubs I saw. Yeah. Um, 
back between 2013 and 2018. Something's going to click with them, and their pitching's going to get a little bit better. Well, they're out recruiting like crazy, from what I understand. Okay. You know, I mean, the, the guy who's their recruiting coordinator, you hadn't seen him at the ballpark in about a month. Wow. So he's out, he's out looking for players. And like everybody else, they're trying to get better. But you got a guy in Federico who doesn't sit there and say, well, we don't get anything, so we can't win. It, it's, it's, you know, screw that. We're going to win in spite of that. And I like... Uh, I like him. I like the approach that he brings. And uh, evidently, Slidell is good for something because that's where he's from. Yeah. I'm sorry. That came out of left field. I didn't realize. Okay. Uh, the fact remains that we, we won the series. Yep. We're, we're, we're three games out of first. Is that right? Well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Three that's games fine. out of first. Uh, you got Texas State, who we play. Georgia State, who we play. Now, South Alabama, Troy, and Georgia Southern are all in front of us. But looking ahead, they they don't, uh, you know, Georgia Southern goes to South Alabama this weekend. There could be something what there. What a juggernaut they've had, huh? I, I tell you, they... They come to Lafayette, they go home to play Georgia State, now they go to South Alabama. Now, South, They went to Texas State in between. That's right. South Alabama now is a team that has owned Georgia Southern. Yes. They've owned them. And, you know, if, if there was ever a team that had the ability to go into Mobile and, and put all of that to bed, it's this Georgia Southern team. But, man, you know, sometimes that stuff gets in your head. And so they, they've got a – and after that, their schedule lightens considerably. Um, you know, Texas State is sitting there with a really nice record, not a really great RPI, but a really nice record. And they close at home against Louisiana and on the road at Georgia State. Those are their last six games in conference play. A lot of baseball to be played here, boys and girls. A lot I, of baseball. I love it. And I love the way the, the league is filling out this, uh, this year. Uh, congratulations to Texas State moving back up in the uh, D1 baseball poll and to Georgia Southern getting into the D1 baseball poll. And I believe this is the first time they've been ranked since 2013. They have a top 10 RPI. Yes, eight as of right now. And, you know, it's going to be hard for them to maintain that because after South Alabama, their schedule lightens up. But they head to Florida State before they go. Right. To, they've got a midweek game to Florida State. So, I, And I just, I, I just got to tell you, I, we'll see what happens like in a couple of weeks. But I think in two weeks, we still might be talking about Georgia Southern conce conceivably hosting a regional because their resume is good. Yes, it is. It's very good. Let's take a look back real quick and see if there's anything uh, else. I guess it's not a big series in the sense of, uh, of, of who played, but Arkansas State and Little Rock. Any surprise that they didn't try to get uh, a third game in on a day? I don't know what the weather was like. Okay, so. I, I don't know what the weather's like either, but I do know this. It doesn't take much That's right. in Little Rock in that outfield for a game to be unplayable. Danny and I talked about that this morning, and I already forgot about and, it. And, and, and so, um, no, wasn't wouldn't this, you know, I, I think, and, and it's hard for me to, because I wasn't there and I don't know, everything that transpired, but you know what? If there would have been a hint of rain on Saturday, I'd have played two on Friday because it doesn't take much rain to make that field unplayable. Yeah. I forgot about that part of it. So, but, uh, you know, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, how surprised were you on the outcome of that series? And I, now, not, now, not surprised on the outcome of the series. Surprised about a sweep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the game that got away from Georgia Southern was the one in game two when they had a 6 nothing lead after the second inning and let Georgia Southern get back in it. I thought that Georgia Southern did a great job in game one coming from behind late because they were down. Look, they gave up two runs in the first inning and then didn't give up anything the rest of the way. They hung zeros after the first inning. And they, um, they found a way to chip away. At the end of three innings, Georgia Southern already had nine hits, and I think they had one after or two after the third inning. The this, uh, Georgia Southern pitching staff just totally shut them down. 
And then uh, in game two, they had a 6 nothing lead, and the bullpen couldn't hold it. Uh, and, uh, and then in, you know, in, in game three, uh, Georgia Southern pretty much dominated. And so I, uh, I'm not surprised they won the series. But if you would have told me ahead of time they're going to sweep them, I would have said, yeah, I'm not so sure about that because they just swept the hottest team in the Sun Belt. Yeah, I agree. And I think Georgia Southern is just finding between Texas State uh, game two against us, they are they're finding ways to win in different ways to win from what I'm seeing. And uh, it, it's fun, though, to see Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Texas State, the Cajuns, South Alabama, and Coastal Carolina, all top 75 RPI teams, and playing well right now. We haven't seen that in the Sun Belt in quite a long time. So Yeah, we hadn't seen this kind of... Uh this kind of depth. It, it really makes it fun to watch. Um, I just Coastal Carolina. I mean, I know uh, they 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 swept App State, but I'm still they they should have swept App State. App State's not a very good ball club, but at the same time, I know everybody keeps telling me Coastal Carolina. You got to watch them. They can hit the ball. They can hit the ball, especially at home. But I'm. Um, and we don't play them this year, so I guess thank God on that one. But I'm still not sold on Coastal Carolina. Well, right about the time I'm about to be sold on Coastal Carolina, they, you know, they they wind up getting swept against Georgia Southern, um, uh, Georgia State rather. I'm, um, I, I, I want to get their schedule up in front of me and and look at what they still have uh, to go. I, I know that they haven't played Georgia Southern yet. Yeah, they head to uh, they host UTA this weekend, and then uh, the following week they head to Georgia Southern. So two weekends from now, the last week in April, um, and then the then they uh, host Little Rock, and then the final week of the season. Um, they travel to Troy, so they haven't played South yet. Uh, they play South this, not this weekend. When do they play? Yeah, South? I think you, you named four series. I Did think I South skip? is the fifth one. So they still got to play Georgia Southern, South, and Troy. So yeah, I'm, I'm, missed, have, I'm sorry. The last weekend have, of the they series, they have a chance to show you that they're good. But I'm with you. I don't know that they've done that yet. Um, Texas State did what they were supposed to do against uh, UTA. I mean, nothing you can say there really except uh, I'm glad to see Texas State get back on the winning side of there. Middle, middle to late innings is when they broke all of those games up. Those games stayed pretty tight, five, six innings. And then um, they got after the, uh, the UTA bullpen, which is the underbelly of that team. Well, any uh, – I'm trying to – to look here, and I'm not doing a very good job of talking and looking, so I apologize. But the Texas State, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Troy, South Alabama, Louisiana at the top. Right now, if the season ended today, it would be App State and Arkansas State left out. How important is it for those top two teams? I guess, how much of an advantage is it for that, those top well, two teams? Well, that's done by design, okay? You know, 7, 8, 9, and 10 have a one-game uh, play in, I don't like to call it that, but uh, yeah, but the, for the right to enter the double elimination bracket. So if you're number one or number two, you're you're already going to be favored, and now you're favored against that team's second pitcher. So it, it you know one and two do have an advantage, but that advantage I think disappears after the first game unless they decide not to throw their ace, which we have seen blow up in people's faces. Uh, over the years. I mean, I, I think their advantage is in the first game they play. They're still going to have to go out and win that second game um, against a team that didn't have to play a play-in game. So it uh, it is an advantage. It's not the end-all to be-all, but you'd rather be one or two than not. All right. Strategy here. And I know what you're going to tell me, but I'm going to ask you anyway. And if, if you don't say what I think you're going to say, 
I'll call you a liar, but no. Seven, eight, nine, and ten. Do you have to throw your ace? So I understand if you lose, you go home. But the fact remains, your season's over with anyway. If do you have to throw your ace? No, you don't have to throw your ace. You can go ahead and say, "Look, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna bet against the come here, and I'm gonna um, throw my number two guy and save my number one, and then get criticized." If you don't win, but if you're seven, eight, nine, and ten, do you have that many fans that are going to criticize you anyway? No, probably not. And the, and the whole point to be there is to win the tournament. And if if you don't, you know, you know, Craig, I'll, I'll say this. And we were in the situation last year, okay, in, in seven, eight, nine, ten, we had to play App State, and and we threw our guy and our guy, um, but. I'm sorry, last year was a round robin. Yeah. Never mind. That's all right. Never mind what I was going to say. It was still kind of funky. If it's if it's me, all right, if I'm the coach, I'm probably not going to throw my number one guy in the first game because you're right. Oh, really? No, no. Okay. I, you know, okay, if I win, I get to go to the double elimination bracket and probably get beat too straight. But if I can go ahead and... And a lot of it would have to do with the matchup, okay? Yeah, right. But, and how much faith I had in my number two guy. But if I thought my number two guy had any chance to get it done, I'd throw him and, and then say, and let me go see if I can make a statement in my in the first game of the double elimination bracket. Yeah. Well, it, it's... it. Uh, Look, eights beat ones, okay? Yes. They do. And, and we saw it happen in 2019 over at Coastal Carolina. Texas State was number one, and they went two and out. They lost to the number eight team in their first game and then turned around and lost again. And they were two and Q in one of the best and the best season that they've had since they've been in the Sun Belt yep. until now. Very disappointing. All right, well, we're going to take a break now. You've been listening to We're Talking. Craig Melissa on Voice of the Cajuns, Mr. Jay Walker. We'll be right back after this quick and brief timeout. Welcome back into We're Talking Tonight, Craig Melanson and Jay Walker. Jay. You know, we were just talking about um, 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay. You understand. Two Georgia schools, two Alabama schools, Cajuns, Texas State, Coastal Carolina, that's seven. One of those teams is going to be playing on the first day of the tournament. Wow. See, now, now you you did this to me in 2014. I know we didn't know each other well then, but I'm sitting in my office listening to your radio show. It's the Monday night of the, of the, the Super Regional, the final game, and you tell me, or you tell your listeners, the sad part is one of these two teams is going to go home tonight and their season is over abruptly. And I just, man, my body sank listening to you that day going, why, why did you just, why did you just ruin my day? You know, it, it, but it's interesting though, because really you've got seven teams in this league that are all pretty decent. One of them is going to play on the first day of the tournament. Well, Everybody's got some work to do. Obviously, the Cajuns have some work to do. It's it's going to be fun. It, it, this is the time of year that I enjoy setting up my spreadsheet, going, okay, if this and this happens and this happens, and it fills in the, the bracket for you so you can look at where who needs to go where and what needs to happen. But the Cajuns just need to take care of business and, and – you, you've got, and I know it's not that easy. You have 17 games left if you don't, uh, if you don't make up the two rainouts. And I know they're still trying, but I don't know if they're going to get that done. So you got, no, I'm sorry, 19 games left. You've got five conference uh, five conference weekends. You've got the the game tomorrow night at Alex Box Stadium. You have got a home game against Nichols, and you got two games at Rice. So 19 games left. Let's see what you can do with those 19 games because 12 of those 19 are away from home. 
You've only got seven home games left. Now, the bad news is it's harder to win on the road than it is at home. The good news is you're going to get rewarded more for every game you win on the road. So you, the way the schedule sets up, I'm going to use the word opportunity because that's, that's what the Cajuns have. They have an opportunity here. Now, they're going to have to win some games on the road, and they're probably going to have to win a couple against you know, some very good teams. And then you've got to take care of your home business. And if you look at who you've got left, you've got three with Little Rock, three with UTA, and one with McNeese. And I realize you just lost one against ULM the other night, but those are seven games you ought to win. And you need to win. So they have got an opportunity here because of the fact that their schedule is weighted on the road. If you can go have some success... You've got a chance to make up some ground, not only in the Sunbelt standings, but in the RPI as well. Good point there, because, you know, and I don't want to get into RPI because uh, I'm not smart enough to get into RPI. <laughs> but I do think that people that, that, that are already claiming that there's no chance in that large bid. Oh, no, that's it's, stupid. It's, it's, it's that's really stupid. halfway done the... That's 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 a stupid statement. I mean, we're at fifty-five now, which is our fifty-two somewhere 52 there. Fifty-two today, yeah. Which is not great, but at the same time, you've got an opportunity to move up still, and you're only halfway through the conference season. Well, okay, let's 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 go back a year ago. Everybody that finished in the top forty of the RPI played in the NCAA tournament. So that's no guarantee it's going to happen again this year. But you're talking about, okay, in 19 games, you've got to move up 12 spots. That's very doable. Very doable. Very doable. All right, well, let's move on from that. Let's, let's go to tomorrow night, Tuesday night. Have you looked at the Tigers at all? The Cajuns visiting Baton Rouge. Never an easy place to play. Never. I, I, I couldn't tell you, though, honestly, what LSU is doing this year. Okay. They've got, I know they've got a new coach. They've got, they've got a nice record. They're 7-8 and eight, um, in in the SEC, they just lost three in a row at Arkansas over the weekend after going to Mississippi State and winning three in a row. There are two things that really jump out about LSU. Number one, they can really swing it. They've hit 57 home runs as a team this year in a hitter's ballpark, which is where the Cajuns will play tomorrow night. The other thing about LSU is it's probably the worst defensive team that LSU has had in recent memory. You know, I don't know that they're Arkansas State bad, but they're in the ballpark when it comes to just not playing good defense at all. So I don't think that the um, approach against LSU changes this year from any other year. Two things. you got to keep the ball in the ballpark. You know, you can't let them Your go. Your pitchers. You can't let them go get a three-run homer, all right? You've got to keep the ball in the ballpark because this team can hit now. They can hit one through nine. This is actually one of the better hitting teams they've had in a few years. So you've got to keep it in the ballpark. And the other thing is you're going to have opportunities. It's not an overpowering pitching staff. You're going to get opportunities. When you get them, you must cash in. Because they're going to cash in on some opportunities. They're very, very good offensively. You know, I remember the game at Russo Park last year. It's a 6-2 game, I think, in the, in the sixth or seventh. And the Cajuns have the bases loaded. And they hit a screamer that gets caught. That if it gets through into the out for a base hit, now it's 6-4 to four and, and now you're on a roll. But they weren't able to cash in on that opportunity. You're going to get opportunities in this game. You have to cash in on them because they're going to cash in on some. I like to see trends. I like to look at trends. So through 35 games, you know, the, we have 79 stolen bases, which is second most in the last 22 years or uh, 21 years. Uh, you have to go back to 2002. They had 85 stolen bases. But their percentage was uh, where did I move it they only they were at 72 percent 
on their stolen base attempts. Whereas this team is at 80%, which is the highest in the last 21 years. You know, I remember 2000, 2001, 2002. Um, you know, Wade Simino's philosophy was, I'm going to send you and you're either going to be safe or out. Um, I said before the season started, if you recall, this is the most athletic team the Cajuns have had since 2014. And so Matt Deggs is going to send a lot of them. And it's not that they're either going to be safe or out. It's that he believes they're going to be safe. And um, I'm not surprised they're at 80% because this team can really, really run. And they can run. You know, I don't think Julian Brock's a great runner, but he's not exactly slow. Um, I don't know that Jonathan Brandon, because he's in the lineup now, is a great base stealer. But those other seven guys in the lineup, if they're at first base, they're, they're going to try to make a double out of it because, because Matt's going to send them. Especially, um, you know, Marshock and Robertson and Rockefort and, and I think Kimple too. He likes to run Kimple a lot. Yep. Now, I'm interested to see you know, you now have a new dynamic as far as this lineup is concerned because Trey LaFleur is getting healthy and he's barreling up everything. And that gives you another left-handed hitter in the lineup. And if you, uh, if you notice on Saturday, um, both Veyon and Hood were on the bench to start the game. And he played Willis at first, Brandon at second. Um... So now, you know, right about the time you think that this lineup is pretty well set, except who's going to bat ninth and play second base. Now, all of a sudden, here comes LaFleur and says, okay, let me give you something else to think about. And I find that really, but boy, I sure had to do. Man, I like the way he swung the bat over the weekend. You brought up something, though. The stolen base turns that single into a double or that walk into a double or that hit by pitch to a double. Here is something else. Again, statistically, um, extra base hits. This team has had 97. Uh, quite honestly, fairly low. To, uh, the average is 98 uh, extra base hits in a season. 150 back in 2014. 148 back in 2000. Uh, uh, in 2004. The average, but. Average-wise, number of hits, and that's where we're down is the number of hits. It's 30, 33% of your hits are extra base hits, which the average there is 30%. But the difference here to me, and I know this is a made-up stat, and you can make it look however you want, but I do believe this, is, this has something to do with this team. It's extra base hits plus steals. This team has 176. You have to go back to 2004 with 204 of them. To get more, the average of, of, of the last 21 years is 148. So they're well above average there. And I think that's where the team excels. And you see, especially if Marshawn gets on base and he just causes havoc, he turns that single into a triple because the throw's probably going out in center field and he's moving. Yeah, they, um, there's, Tony used to look at, slugging percentage more than he looked at batting average and with good reason this is a year that it doesn't quite matter as much because your single is becoming a double it doesn't take much for that guy who just got a single to be on second base in scoring position so i yeah i think that statistic this year gets a little bit skewed and isn't quite as important because of what you just said I, I think batting average is the most overrated stat oh, there is in baseball. Absolutely, I think on base percentage in the in the and you'll see it now where when you go to a team's webpage, OPS on base percentage plus slugging percentage is what what they kind of that's the second stat only because I think they're too scared to get rid of batting average. So if you want to if you want to do something because. You have spreadsheets and, and a pretty good math mind, and you don't have anything else to do. Take the on take the OPS of the players, and then give them the 
extra bases because of their steals and see what happens to their OPS. Ooh. Make their Ooh. singles, doubles, if they've got 13 stolen bases, give them 13 doubles instead of whatever, however many doubles they have. See what that does to your to your OPS. That will be in your inbox tomorrow morning <laughs> because that'll take honestly that'll take me about five minutes because everything is there. Sure, and you're just adding it to the total bases and you take the total bases. Right, but ooh, that's I, I you know and again, does the stat extra extra base hits plus stolen bases mean anything? I I. I'm not going to say it does because it it quite hasn't it, it it hasn't quite although it's getting better actually it's it's a lot better than I expected you're you're up to 195 runs now which which uh, over over 35 games which is the most since 2015 now it doesn't come close to 2014's 301 is ever going to come, come close to 2014 but you know I have it broken out here with it 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 when the bats changed, when the ball changed, and when the coaching staff changed. So, but I, I do think it may. And now that I see that number with runs, because that number with runs, if if I ran that with with in twenty games comparing the year to year, it wasn't close. We were very much down. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, looking at whether it's Mike Federico or Rodney Hennon. Or uh, Brett, um, the guy at Georgia State that we haven't played yet. Yeah, I... um, or or anybody else in the league. Mark Calvi, you know, um, Skyler Mead. Take your pick. I wonder what they're thinking when they watch video on the Cajuns and situations and to see how this team is coached and the things they do. I wonder how much they sit there and just cuss. Because this is this is a, a very difficult team to prepare for because there's no pattern with them. You never know what Matt Deggs is going to do. You think you do. Now, you know, last Thursday night, after um, and, and Matt even said it on the pregame show. He said, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna use our legs a little bit. Well, as it turned out, they bunted for a hit in the first inning, but they put up runs so quickly that it, they didn't need to do anything. But he noticed that the pitcher, um, Cam Barlow, only had three chances in the field all year long. Ah. So the plan was to do to him what they did to Arkansas State. As it turned out, they didn't have to. And so now coaches are looking and they're going, my God, you know, they may try to bunt us to death. And so you, so you're, you're preparing for the team, and you're talking to your starting pitcher for that night, and your bullpen, and you're saying, "They're going to make you work. You got to be." Bit. And so every time your pitcher goes out there, he's looking. Okay, is it this play they're going to bunt? Is it this play they're going to bunt? And just as throwing the first base to keep the runner close takes your focus off the batter, and sometimes it burns you. Sometimes this can burn you too. You're you're so. Worried about are they going to bunt? Are they going to that? Maybe you make a pitch, a mistake on your pitch. I'm telling you, coaches around the league have to sit there and dog cuss Matt Deggs when that when they sit down and try to try to try to prep for this team. It's definitely fun to watch. But you brought up something, and I want to. One thing that we don't talk about enough uh, is the uh, is the pitching. As I hand Jay a bottle of Elijah Craig, 12-year-old, which is no longer available on shelves. But if you come to my place, you But it's you available might... at Craig's house. The address is... No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it's very good. I'm... I I'm, uh, haven't had it in a while, and I decided last night to take a sip of it just to see. Take a sip. A third of the bottle was gone when I got here. The bottle was... bottle's been open for five or six years. Now, okay. now you got us all off track here. One thing that we don't talk about enough, we, we mentioned it a lot in passing, but at the same time, let's talk about what the starting pitching has done for the Cajuns, especially since conference play, since Brandon Talley's been on Friday night, Jacob Schultz on Saturday, and Jeff Wilson on Sunday. How, I mean, just the consistency there has, I think, has got to give you a, a leg up for your hitters, knowing that they can... Sunday... 
uh, game three before last, you know, Jeff Wilson had a tough day, and he, yep. and, and he was he was knocked out early. Cajuns came back and won that game. Um, but really, other than that outing, it's pretty much been. And you know, Tony used to say that all the time. But but Coach Deggs agrees. And if you talk to other coaches, you know, around the league, they all say what we ask from our starting pitchers: give us a chance. And those three guys are giving you a chance now. Now that now that they've got this thing settled, that it's going to be Tally, and then it's going to be Schultze, and then it's going to be El Jefe. You know that when you go out there, that your guy's going to give you a chance, and um, then it's up to you to to go ahead and support him and take care of him. No, I. You know, as far as Friday, Saturday, Sunday is concerned, you got to go back a ways. To the last time we were pretty set Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because in Tony's last couple of years we were Friday, Saturday TBA quite a bit. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I think I think knowing who your guys are going to be, and how often do you look at what the other guys are going to do, and you see Friday, Saturday TBA, and if you got El Jefe and they got Tuba. I, I, I think Tubba. that I think that Tubba is is at a disadvantage. He's shaking in his boots, and, and I know this this is another stat that can be somewhat overrated in the sense, but it's still it, it's it's very similar in my opinion to what chicks like the long ball when you're on when you're on on defense. Chicks like the strikeouts. Three hundred thirty four through the uh, the thirty five games. This is only the third time in the last 21 years through 35 games that we've had over 300 strikeouts. I want you to look at the other stat and the number of our strikeouts. This is the toughest Cajun team to strike out that we've had in a long time. Oh. In conference play, we are the toughest team in the league to strike out. In conference games, we're averaging about six strikeouts a game. And I, you know, there were a lot of games in the last few years where we were averaging close to 10 strikeouts a game. Yeah. In league play, we're averaging six. And I think overall, it's just under eight. That's good numbers right there. Because the more you put the ball in play, the more good things can happen. Whether the other guy kicks it or it finds a hole or whatever it is, if you're not striking out, you're giving your team a better chance. That's something that this team is going to be very good at. And if you look back at the numbers over the last, what do we play, 35 games? Yep. Take the first 18 games and the last 17 games and look at the average number of strikeouts. You're going to see it's gone down considerably Yes. since since the midway through the, the, the season. We're averaging 7.2 strikeouts per game as of right, overall right. right now, and about six per game in conference play. So, and and that you you are correct that that was early on. There were there were several tens, twelves. Uh, well, shoot, I've got it right here. Um, 11, 10, 10, 8, 11, 11, 11, 12. Only once in the last. Uh, 13 games or so have we had more than 10 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. So definitely something that uh, – but I, I just want – I don't think because chicks love the, the, the long ball that the pitchers don't get enough credit for what they're doing out there, giving us the opportunity to win. When, when you can go out and give five or six strong innings, sure, we'd love a guy like Jeff Wilson to pitch a shutout, complete game. It's not going to happen. It's not realistic. You know, it's gotten to the point now where, you know, Tally got there for the first time this past week. That your guys, if you, if the, if you, you know, coach is going to say, you give me six, give me six with three runs or less, that's a quality start. Give me a quality start, I'll take that every time. The whole key, and we saw it, and it's another reason why you came up with an L in game two, is... In that game, you, you walked five and you hit four. Yep. If you do that against LSU, Texas State, and Georgia State, you will get mauled. 
if you don't do that, you're going to have a chance to win every every time you go out there. That's that's what those seven games I think are going to boil out boil down to. Don't be generous because all three of those teams can really swing the bat. Well, huge shout out to Jeff Wilson, Jacob Schultz, and Brandon Tiley. Keep it up, guys. Give us the opportunity to win, and we will. Con- hopefully, your team will continue to reward us. Moving on, though, uh, uh, some 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 games this weekend. Georgia State at no, I'm sorry, that's not this week, is it? I got my Coastal Carolina at Charlotte. I think that's a must win in in the sense for the conference, not necessarily Coastal itself. They're at Charlotte. That that that'll help us out. Uh, Kennesaw State at Georgia State is another great RPI uh, that that Georgia State needs to take care of business. You know, Georgia Southern had a Kennesaw State game rained out. They have rescheduled that. They're going to play back to back days, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Um, so 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 that'll be. It's good that they're able to to go ahead and get that made up. I don't think Arkansas State has a chance against Arkansas with back to back games. Why but, not? Uh, Arkansas, you know if. I hate the Red Wolves. Let me count the ways. No. Uh, Little Rock at Louisiana Tech. We have not seen Little Rock yet, but I think that's a. Uh, it, it would be nice for them to take it, but I'm not holding my breath. Uh, Georgia Southern at Florida State, I think, is a big opportunity game. Exactly. Very huge. McNeese travels to ULM. ULM has to take care of business now. Uh, and then the Cajuns, the LSU that we talked about earlier, I think the Cajuns have a, a fighting chance, of, if not better, than taking down the Tigers. Keep the ball in the ballpark. Don't be generous. So moving on to next weekend quickly, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go into Georgia State. But I, I do want to talk about, I think every week it seems like there's two big series. And maybe that's because we've got... you got seven teams that are right there. Yeah. But this weekend, Georgia Southern at South Alabama, we talked about them. We talked about South Alabama having their number. But I think Georgia Southern seems like they've turned that corner. Well, you know, as far as the quality of their play, I would agree with you. But look. It's what have you done for me lately? Well, it's, it's, it's no, it's more like that shit gets in your head. Yeah. Okay? And you're going there. On the road, you're coming off a great win, and you know you're good, and at the back of your mind, it's, we never can seem to beat these guys. And that wears on you after a while. So, you know, do I think Georgia Southern has a better team than South Alabama? Right now, I think they do. But I And right now, do you know how much I think that means? The answer is Zilch. not pacon. Well, for, for, for the Cajun's sake, I hope it's it's... Two and one, I don't care which way necessarily, but it'll give us an opportunity. The one that intrigues me, uh, but which is not necessarily a big game, but Troy going into Arkansas State. Can the Red Wolves, I mean, Troy can hit the ball. Can the, can the Red Wolves slow them down enough? Well, the question is. Can the Red Wolves win one? <laughs> the question is, I have to sneeze. Okay. Sorry. Sorry for that brief timeout, but at Um, least you didn't have to listen to it. Well, you know, the question is, now that they've won their last two games, how much much confidence does Arkansas State have? I think they got a guy on Friday night who's capable, but he's going to go up against Garrett Gaines, who's very good. Um... You know, let's see Arkansas State. You know what Arkansas State did over the weekend? They were good defensively. And that's something they weren't all, all season long. Go out, play good defense, and back your pitcher a little bit and, and see what you can get done. Um, you know, I think when you're 2-12 and 12 and 6-20-something, and 20 something, whatever it is, um, I, I don't think you look at Troy going in there and saying, gee, I, you know, I wonder if they're going to get whooped. If Arkansas, can Arkansas State find a way to steal the game? Hell, they almost found a way to steal two of them against us. Yep. It's not like they haven't been in games. 
if their if their if their bullpen, which you know, which makes Tommy Raffo, and I don't think Tommy's Catholic, but I'll bet you he does the sign of the cross <laughs> every time the bullpen goes out there. You know, the bullpen was just good enough against Little Rock to to keep them from coming back and winning games. And you know, go out, play good defense, and give your pitchers a chance, and then see what happens. Well, I, I can tell you this: that Arkansas State has been playing better ball. They're, I mean, their their ERA is just over six and a half. But you know, a couple of weeks ago, that was over eight, I believe, as a team. So, but you know, I, I think they got an opportunity. But lastly, let's talk about Cajuns at Georgia State. Um, Looking forward to the series. I think there's great opportunity on both sides the, to take it, take advantage of this. And, and you know, you're on the road. I'm not going to say Georgia. We, we've seen Georgia State Stadium or ballpark or field with bleachers. So, but it's not a tough place to play in the, in the sense of, crowd or anything like that no the tough the tough part about playing at georgia state is like playing at arkansas state you got to bring your own atmosphere with you yeah you're not going to have you know you always have you go to to troy to south to you know to little rock even san marcus and you got a segment of cajun fans there you're not going to have a ton of them in atlanta okay uh, because some of the folks that will make the shorter trips won't be able to make that one I um I I think I think the key for the Cajuns is going to be very similar to the key in Baton Rouge. You're talking about a team that's hit 50 bombs this year. Keep the ball in the ballpark. I I think that Georgia State, I think their their starting pitching is pretty good. I think their guy at the end of the game is pretty good, but I also think that their that 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 pitching staff is thin. Um but you you got to pitch against these guys, and you can't be generous against them because they hit the ball well enough to get multi-run innings without your help. If you help them, that's when a two- or a three-run inning becomes a five- or a six-run inning, and now you're in trouble. So I, I think the key for the weekend is the, is the key for tomorrow night. Don't let the three-run homer beat you. Take advantage of your opportunities, and don't be generous. I, because I think, and I'm not suggesting Georgia State's as good as LSU because I don't think they are, but I do think they're the same type of team. So I think that's the key for the entire week. Do you think Georgia State is better defensively than LSU? Uh, yeah, probably so. Okay. Um, but I don't think on top of I, I I wouldn't call them great defensive, but yeah, they're probably better. Well, the level of competition somewhat is competition smopetition I, when you start talking about defense oh. okay you can still pick it and throw it i don't care who you're playing against i agree the 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 defense the the statistic that i think belies strength of schedule is your defense now sometimes grass versus turf has something to do with it but but as far as the quality of competition i don't think that means much of anything good deal well I think uh, we've covered just about everything tonight. Any last words of wisdom? Well, you know, first of all, we've talked a lot, and all the wisdom I had I used up in about the first five minutes. True. It, oh, I'm sorry. Was that out loud? No, well, you know, but it's okay if it was. I No, I, I think that um, this is an opportunity week for the Cajuns. You've got four games on the road against top 35 RPI teams. And so you have a huge opportunity this week if you can have a little success to make a dent in that 52 RPI. Um, because remember, every time that you go on the road and win, regardless of who you're playing, it counts for 1.3 wins. So let's just say you play four this week and you win two, lose two. I, and, and I'm not saying that it, yep. that has to happen. I'm just using it as a mathematical example. You wind up with 2.6 wins and 1.2 losses as far as the RPI is concerned. Yep. So um, that's why road games are such a huge opportunity. And now you've got 
opportunity with a road game with road games against quality competition. So let's see how they do this week. Well, before we sign off, though, I want to. I thought we were going to be at the end, but um, you uh, you read uh, uh, one of your blogs at the end, and mm-hmm. you and I talked after the game. The the from the bird's nest, Russo Park is silent. The Teague is silent. I think it was properly. Yeah, because uh, there was no Russo Park. Yeah. It's uh, what you wrote. You and I talked after the game about this, but it's one of the things as fans were selfish. As human beings were selfish. We only, not, not all the time, but we tend to think of ourselves first. What's in it for me? And I've never, and I never thought of until I reread your article again and sent it to the Diamond Club that it's not just the players and the coaches; it's the workers that run the ballpark that were able to be home with their family on Easter. It's the it's the people who do the catering. It's the people who work concessions. Uh, it's the people who uh, do the you know do the parking. It's, uh, it's Phyllis and Jen and Mona and those folks who are always uh, up in the front. Um, it's the players and their families. It's uh, the game day people um, that are up. It's the guy who runs the sound. It's the one that does the music. It's Tuna. Yep. Uh, it's, it's Brad and me. That, that covered a portion but it it just we talked about the players and coaches okay and we write it wrote about the players and coaches and when it was presented it was about the players and coaches but it was so far reaching um your guy is at bat for the brewers i just thought i'd tell you um Jeez, sorry. I needed that, though. Thank you. It, it's what what Tony and Bab and a guy like Ty Harrington at Texas State, what they did affected so many people. And Mike Bernard, I, I, I took... And, and by the way, thank you for sharing that with the Diamond Club because I wouldn't have seen it otherwise. I mean, I know I wrote it, yeah. but I wrote it in 2015. 15 or 16. Yeah, and you know, reflecting back on something that happened in 2014. And um, I, didn't, I didn't remember it. And you brought it back top of mind, and I appreciate that. And I, and I for a lot of reasons, but... At the time that it happened, it was more about, you know, our players, our student athletes, and getting the opportunity to have a family day in in the middle of the season. And yes, for for Tony, it was religious, but it didn't have to be religious because Easter is such a, next to Christmas, it's the biggest family day of the year. And I read it. You know, I read it when you sent it out, and I had a moment. In fact, I had several moments, and I told you about that. I said, yeah. and, and I think a dog cussed you, you know, for sending it out, because it was, it was, I read it several times, and I got emotional each and every time that I read it. But I read it enough to where I said, okay, I can read this at the end of the broadcast, just to kind of put a bow on the weekend. And... Um, my daughter, um, Jana, who is my second oldest daughter, went to her house yesterday. And they live, they, you know, uh, her in-laws were there and, and we're all good friends and have been for many, many years. And we had a, we had a chicken fry, right? Um, and so we had, you know, fried chicken and French fries and onion rings and rice dressing and bread pudding and lots of stuff that would make you ill if you eat too much of it. 
and we had an adult beverage or two, and then we went down uh, because my daughter lives on eight acres of land right on the Comet River. And if you walk about a quarter of a mile from the property, there's a beach there. Well, so we went down to the beach, uh, and I slipped in the mud and fell on my ass. Uh, and, uh, and everybody had a good laugh at my expense. But she, uh, she took the piece that I wrote that I posted on my Facebook page, and she shared it on her page. And she said, Coach, thanks for making it so my dad can spend Easter night together with me for the last several years. And, uh, you know, that decision affected so many people. And Mike Bernard, who I think I started to talk about and then went and got off on a tangent, you know, he posted um, on my Facebook page, he said, it's, it's not just the Sun Belt. That so many other leagues, including the SEC, started to do it. And he, that he believed that Tony influenced his, his influence and the story that was told about how it happened influenced other leagues to do it too. So, um, you know, that, that may be something that I read on Saturdays for the rest of my career. I don't know. But here's what I do know. There's going to come a time, and it, it may be after I'm gone. It may be after you're gone. Um, but there's going to come a time where everybody takes this shit for granted. And you publishing that article and so many people sharing it on various social media platforms, if we continue to do that, it will make it much more difficult for people to take that shit for granted. Um, so thank you for doing that. I mean, I, I, like I said, I know I wrote it, didn't really, was, was in the back of my mind, you know, back with a lot of other things I don't remember. But, uh, but by including it with the Diamond Club, it, it gave us all a chance to bring it back to the forefront. And Craig, it needs to stay in the forefront because we need to keep reminding people why this got done to begin with. And of course, remember the man who, who was most instrumental in getting it done. But I'm, um, we can't, we, we can't allow people to take this for granted because too many people worked too hard for too long to make it happen. As you know, with most things, and especially when I'm reading statistics and everything, I'm, I, I love history. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things that, when I sent the Diamond Club newsletter out that I, 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 I put in there, this is the history behind, let me see if I can do this without crying again. I told you the other night that I listened to you um, uh, well, the, the first thing I put a quote in, this has been the past has been there all along, reminding us this time may be hopeful, maybe Hopeful against all odds, we will get it right, and that was uh, uh, an article. Uh, that was a quote by Leslie Chang, um, and then I went on to write: if if some some if not many wonder why or how this weekend series came to be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday series, so let us take a look back to let us remember. Oh my gosh, let us remember the sacrifice, and I put your article and. Uh, Ian's, Ian's interview with Coach Robichaud. From the Ozone. Yeah. From the Ozone. Uh, I still have a hard time listening to Coach Robe's voice on I an do, interview. I, I do too. So. <laughs> this. Um, this wasn't what I, I was going to do tonight, but I well, think it's you know important. But, but no, I, no, I think it's very apropos uh, to go ahead and do it. You know, for me. My mom and dad have passed away, so I don't. I should. I, I do have family, and now I have nieces and nephews that have children. But I remember sitting at the Teague, being one of probably three hundred out there. And I remember one year the the Easter Bunny came out and threw out the first pitch, 
and threw a strike. And I was like, yay. And then, you know, they used to do in like the fifth or sixth inning, somebody would come out and do the, the, the for fries or a burger or something like that. And, well, the, 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 when the Easter Bunny came back out, the Easter Bunny looked drunk in the next three pitches they threw. So I don't know if they changed. Were you were you wearing the mask? The, the no, I was sitting. I've got video of it. It's you but. know you know what I was just thinking of. Um, the first piece that I ever wrote about baseball on Easter Sunday, I remember it was in two thousand eleven. The first time that I wrote about it, and. The reason that I remember is 2011, our Friday night guy was, was a guy named Jordan Nicholson. Yep. Uh, who married Katie Smith, the yes. softball player. I know they have at least one child, if not two. And, and Jordan Nicholson's dad's a preacher. Yep. And I remember him coming to me and saying, thank you for writing that. You know, somebody... Somebody other than people like me need to stand up and, and say that. And I said, well, you know, Coach Robe is fighting. For, he said, I know he is. He said, but we need to start getting the word out to the masses. And, and your article is taking a step toward doing that. And I say that not because, oh, gee, I'm kickstart, because that's not what that is. It goes to show you how long ago it was. And Tony was fighting that fight along with Bab long before 2011. Yeah. But 2011 is when I first started writing about it. That's 11 years ago, dude. Yeah. 11 years ago. But we have to make sure that people don't forget that it it wasn't that this business of not playing on Easter Sunday it hadn't always been that way. And and we just need to we just need to remind people that's all. It's funny you say that because I sat uh, my seats were directly behind the Nicholsons at baseball at the time and. I remember talking to them, and uh, I said, I guess I'll see y'all tomorrow. And he said, and he said, no. And that's when I found out he was a preacher. He said, I have to head north. He said, I'm glad Jordan's pitching on Friday night so I can. So they didn't have to miss his game, but they, but he, he would, he would, they would come down. They'd, they'd see the Friday game, yeah. see his start, and then go back. And yeah, can you imagine if Tony said, well, I'm going to move him to Sunday? Oh, my. <laughs> but that didn't, that didn't happen. Uh, well, thanks for writing that. Thank, oh, oh, thanks for writing that, Jay. And uh, well, thanks for sharing it, Craig. Because, I, like I said, without without you putting that the Diamond Club letter, uh, we have this last fifteen minutes wouldn't even be on this podcast. Well, we'll share it again uh, in the uh, in the uh, description of the of the podcast and with everybody. And uh, for those of for everyone, uh, you've been listening. We're talking Craig Melanson and Jay Walker. Hope you and your family had a very blessed and thankful Thanksgiving. Easter. Well, Easter. Oh my goodness, that's two different, very different holidays. Hope you had a very thankful and blessed Easter. Thanksgiving. Um, stop it now. We'll we'll talk to you next week. In the meantime, we're gonna have a drink. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except. Ah, oh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.